0: or dismiss so as they head on out. What a blessing and privilege to be able to worship together. Um, this is such a, a powerful witness. I've um, been thinking just about how much I appreciate. I grew up in church, grew up going to church every Sunday. Wish I could say I was always excited to go to church every Sunday. Um, in my house, we had two church services before we went to church. Um, so it wasn't always something that I was excited, but I think one thing about this pandemic, it's got me to really see the blessing and privilege to see each other's faces, to to gather, to sing our songs, to pray our prayers, and to to hear the word of the Lord. So it's a blessing to be with you this morning. Um, This Easter side season, we're continuing our series of remembrance. We're looking at how God has been revealed. You know, the first part of the series, we looked at how God was revealed to us in the Old Testament. Now we're focusing on how God is revealed to us in the New Testament. And what's interesting is that so many times in scripture, we get this call for us to remember as God's people. Um, But then when you come to Jesus, it's not just a call for us to remember, but we're going to look at these scenes where Jesus interacts with people and he calls us to remember certain things about who he is. The call to remembrance again, is important because in our busy lives with going to and fro and and chasing after the Joneses and keeping up with everything uh, that's going on, that it's very, very easy for us to forget. As humans, it's very easy for us to focus on the situation and to look down. But the call to remember reminds us that God doesn't just want us to look down, but to look up. And as we look up to Jesus, as we look up to God, we're, we're not only reminded of how good he is, but maybe we can look back in all the ways God's been faithful and good and true. And when we're looking up and looking back, that helps us to look forward. That's why it's so good for us to remember. And when we're looking up and we're looking back, we can think of times, not just in scripture, but times in our life that God has been faithful because our God wants to be revealed. That's the joy of our God. So many people look at faith and and spirituality as this hidden thing and this like mystery. And, And that's the beauty of our God is he doesn't want to be mysterious to you. He wants to be known to you. And wherever you are on the journey, that's where he'll meet you and grow you. And yes, there's mysteries to be found, yeah, but God is not completely mysterious that you can never know him. That's the joy of who God is. And we've been looking at Jesus in this call to remember. We've been looking at when Jesus calls us to remember, he basically puts his life on the line. You know, when we first started the series, the second part, he says, You know that God of the Old Testament? You know the God who was, the God who is, the God who will be, the God who's with you, the God who led you out of Egypt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't just come from that God, I don't just represent that God. I am that God. Remember that. And they wanted to kill him. Then last week, Jesus says, you know, you're for thousands of years. You've been promised this Messiah to come. You've been promised the son of David. You've been promised the one who will will, will crush the serpent. You've been promised the one who will redeem and, and bring out God's kingdom. You've been promised. You've been promised. You've been promised. Well, that promise is now fulfilled in me. And they wanted to kill him. Now this week, we'll go to Jesus and Nicodemus. Not just remembering a thing he said, but a scene. Where Jesus contrasts, or or John through the writing of this gospel contrasts, not just light and dark, but Jesus and Nicodemus, the Pharisee and the lowly rabbi. He contrasts the way of knowledge that was accepted by the world at that time, but the way of knowledge that comes from Jesus in heaven. He contrasts the way of salvation that was understood by Jewish people of that time with the way of salvation that Jesus plans for the world. And as we remember what Jesus says, In this passage, in this scene, I want us to all think back to when we were saved. For those of us who grew up in the church, to when we were born again. Because as we hold on to when we were saved or when we were born again, and we go into this passage, we'll see that maybe, just maybe, Jesus means a little bit more than that decision you made so many years ago. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that calls us into the light, that reminds us of the light, and that compels us to walk in the light. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, who calls us his light of the world, who lives to shine in every darkness, who lives to shine and make our crooked paths straight. And Father God, we thank you that by living and loving like Jesus, by honoring you, by serving you, we can be a light to our world. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter three, we'll be reading verses one to 13. John chapter three, we'll have it up front as well so you can follow there, starting at verse one. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again or born from above. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you all must be born again or born from above. The wind... "'Blows wherever it pleases. "'You hear its sound, but you cannot tell "'where it comes from or where it is going. "'So it is with everyone born of the Spirit.' "'How can this be?' Nicodemus asked." No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. What I love about this passage is that John is not only writing beautifully, but he's helping us contrast not just Jesus and Nicodemus, but the people we are or the people we were and the people that God calls us to be. He's not just contrasting Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee right? Really well thought off. He's probably really well off too. He's probably rich. He's probably well known in the community. And this little rabbi who's just now starting out his ministry in Jesus. I find it interesting that Nicodemus, the well-known one, seeks out Jesus at night. And there's some people who say, well, this is because, you know, some of the rabbis, they they had jobs. You know, like Jesus, we we know, was a carpenter like his father Joseph. So maybe he had a job during the day. But Nicodemus is always understood as wealthy, so he wasn't working during the day. But the other thing that's interesting here is as he seeks out Jesus, a lot of rabbis would study at night because not only did they work in the day, but, but it was quieter at night. And I get this because I can't wait till 10 p.m. Because in my house, 10 p.m., everyone's asleep except me. It's a beautiful time of day, right? 10 p.m. to like 12 o'clock, that window is so much peace and solace. So I get this. I'm not a Jewish rabbi, but I get this studying at night. And so he comes and he seeks out Jesus at night. And what's interesting is that right away, Nicodemus, the rich, the wealthy, the well-known, the accepted Pharisee, he comes to this unknown Jesus. But I love that immediately his first question or his first comment to Jesus is him acknowledging Jesus, not only as a rabbi, but as someone who's from God. And I thought about for all of us, whether we're well known or not, whether we have a platform or not, how much if the world comes and seeks after us, they will look at us because of our lives and our faithfulness and know we are from God. How many of us will they know by the signs of how we live that we are from God and that God is with us Nicodemus highlights both of those things and I think both are important because as you come from this passage Jesus isn't just saying I'm from God but God is with me and that's a challenge to all of us that as our world seeks us out in the workplace in the neighborhood at the dinner table down the street in the traffic lane yes for some of us in the traffic lane because that's when it shows up right that's probably the place we can try our hardest to be Christian in traffic But in all those places, Pastor Woody just shuddered, in all those places, as the world comes to us, will they know or do they know already that we are from God and that God is with us? That's where Nicodemus begins. That's what he acknowledges. And I love Jesus, right? Jesus is not really a good... This makes me wonder sometimes when we praise, right? Because Jesus doesn't seem to be a big fan of flattery. He seems to care about your heart. He seems to care about your life. He seems to care about what you really think and how you really live. So Nicodemus comes, and and, and I think he's not trying to flatter Jesus. I think he really believes that Jesus is from God, and he sees the signs, and he's with them. and Jesus cuts straight to the point. He says, Nicodemus, that's great and all, but you, my brother, you have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. What's interesting in this culture is that in the Greco-Roman culture, if you were adopted into a new family, they talked about it as being born again because you would literally leave all the things of old and take on this new family. You would leave all the things that you were first, not even uh, all the things that belonged to you, and you would take on everything that belonged to this new family. You would become not just a new creature but a new person. What I love about our God, and this is why God is so powerful in culture, is because God can go into any culture, any single culture, and point them back to him every single culture. This is what the Greco-Romans understood. This thing when we struggle with new creation, adopted as as, as children of God, this is new to us. To them it made sense because that's what happened every single day. When you chose to be part of a new family, you walked away from the old family. When you chose to belong to this new family, the father of the family laid down the rules and you pledged to follow the father of that family. So they knew this idea of being born again. But also, not just the Greco-Romans, even the Jewish had the same thing. If you converted to Judaism, guess what they called it? Being born again. Why? Because you were leaving the ways of old, right? To follow the new way, the way that leads to God. So Nicodemus as a Pharisee as a well-known Jewish person, as a leader in that community, as a teacher of that community, when Jesus says born again, and here's the other tricky part about born again, it doesn't mean, you know, going back physically into your mother's womb. Not only did the Greco-Romans understood it, the, Jude, the Jews understood it, but everyone understood in Jewish culture, when you're talking to a rabbi and they said born again, it means what? To be born from above. Which means God initiates. God has set out the path. Yet and still, you have another contrast between Jesus and Nicodemus where Jesus seems to be trying to prevent, trying to, to preach the truth. And Nicodemus seems to have this dense block that's preventing him from understanding the truth. So even though he's come from a culture that understands born again, even though he's probably taught born again to converts to Judaism, he's so stuck on this idea that he's born again, he asks Jesus, wait, that's impossible. I cannot reenter. enter my mother's womb. And Jesus doesn't take the bait. He keeps on that higher plane. He says, well, Nicodemus, that's interesting because it's not impossible. Because what I'm asking, what I'm offering you is this simple truth, that flesh can only birth flesh and spirit can only birth spirit. And Nicodemus comes back with like, are you sure? Are you sure, sure? Because I'm not getting it. And Jesus says, yes. You may be a teacher of this world, but I am the son of man, the one who comes from heaven, the one who created the heavens and the earth. I am the eyewitness who's seen things in heaven who now walks on earth. I am the ladder, the bridge that's going to help you to understand. But I think Nicodemus's question is a very important one because for many of us who grew up in church, it's one we heard all the time. Are you born again? Are you born again? And what I love about familiar passages is that we're, we're, we're so quick, and in fact, I was going to do 1 to 21 and decided to split it up because the most important, why not most important, the most famous verse in the Bible is probably what? John three sixteen, And we know that verse, and I love that verse because it clearly says, for God to love the world. But most of us have understood that to mean what? For God so loved me, he died for me. And that doesn't mean that that's bad. It just means that God has a plan that's greater than me. But we'll get to that in the second half when we talk about how God has saved us. But in this passage, because it's so familiar, we gloss right through it. Yeah, he's born again. And Nicodemus, he sees the light. Everything's good. But we miss some of the nuance. Because the idea of being born again is not just found in identity. Yes, I'm born again, so now I fit in. Yes, I'm born again, so now I'm saved. Yes, I'm born again, so everything's covered. The idea of being born again goes deeper than that. There's more here. But I think a lot of us are still like Nicodemus this morning. We're still looking at born again as only salvation or born again as only a one-time decision. But we have to come to understand that being born again isn't about that decision you made, whether it was today, yesterday, or 20 years ago, or 50 years ago. Because what Jesus is driving home to Nicodemus is is that to be born again, to be born from above, is a life of surrender. It's surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Not only hearing the call, not only believing Jesus, not only accepting God's plan for salvation, but surrendering every single day. A born-again life is a life that's submitted to God in every single way mind, body, soul, hopes, dreams, skills, gifts, abilities, is everything submitted to God. Because that's what it means to be born again. But it's also a life of transformation. All of us should be taking baby steps closer to God every single day. And I'm not saying we're going to do it perfectly. I'm not even saying that God asks us to do it perfectly. But here's the thing. If you take 100 baby steps closer to God, even if you take a giant step backwards, you can still stop and say what? progress. All of us are meant to grow into who God desires us to be. The spirit comes inside of you not just to make you warm and feel good but to transform you into the image of Jesus Christ and that transformation means change and it means that yes you will struggle, yes you will fall short but you are all called to grow and the way you grow is by submitting to the spirit every single day. Because as we're growing, as we're being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, we get to shine our light. A lot of us grow up thinking that, you know, when we want to help people get saved, we have to tell them or or, or preach them the right way. But Jesus seems pretty firm in John's gospel that you, my friends, you, my sisters and brothers are the light of the world, and if you're faithful to me in shining your light, and you're faithful to me and living and surrendering to the Spirit, they will see your light and glorify your Father in heaven. And I think the lessons for Nicodemus are so important. Because the first thing is that Nicodemus comes from an understanding that to be saved is to be a child of Abraham. And Jesus conflicts that and says, No, 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 Nicodemus, you need a new birth because it doesn't matter that you're a child of Abraham. It doesn't matter that you're born in the right family. It doesn't matter that you've come from the right tradition. It doesn't matter that you've been taught the right things. It only matters that you submit to me. The new birth, Nicodemus, it comes from above. It doesn't matter that you are struggling with, do I go back in my mother's belly? No, it matters that you understand that I have come not only to save you, But I've come to convert you, to transform you, to change your life. The new birth, Nicodemus, is seen by the water baptism on the outside and the spirit baptism on the inside. You know, around here, we encourage you to be baptized. In John 3, Jesus says a little bit more firmly than encouragement. Jesus seems to believe that you will not see the kingdom of heaven unless... You've been born again, born from above, accepted God's salvation, and then been faithful in the water baptism and the spirit baptism that transforms you. In John 3, 2 Nicodemus, Jesus does more than encourage you to be baptized. Jesus says, if you belong to me, you will take the step in faith because the new birth means you're going to step up and say to your community, I belong to Jesus and I belong to you. And then you will submit your lives to me so that the spirit can transform you so you will start to look like me. Nicodemus, this new birth I speak of, it says that it's open to any and every one. Just like the spirit blows where it pleases, the love of God goes where it pleases. Again, it doesn't matter the family you're from. It doesn't matter the knowledge you have. It doesn't matter what you think you know. My salvation belongs to the world. My salvation belongs to any and everyone. And maybe I think the most important thing about this whole passage is that the new birth requires knowledge from heaven, yes, but it requires heaven meeting earth with Jesus at the center. Jesus starts off maybe philosophical, and he starts off maybe theological, but he ends very personal. He says, Nicodemus, I am your bridge. And I love that because to us, everything we need to understand, Jesus has the same thing. I am the bridge. He not only created heaven and earth, He not only is in heaven and now on earth physically with Nicodemus, but he is the center of it all, meaning that Jesus is where heaven and earth meets. So the idea of this new birth is the idea that we're all to come to where heaven and earth meets. And what I love about these lessons for Nicodemus is that they're very, very similar to the lessons for us. Because here's the thing. We all must be born again. We all must be born from above. There is no automatic entry. And I think that's very, very important for those of us who have children, for those of us who have people under our influence. And here's the thing, that second part, that's all of us. Because everyone in your circle is under your influence. And Jesus seems to think that there's no automatic entry. So your children and those people you interact with, they're not going to come into the kingdom simply by osmosis. They're not going to rub up on your shoulder and be like, now I'm in. Now I've gone through the new birth. Jesus seems to think that we all must make this decision to surrender to him. There is no automatic entry. And the only way in has to be not just a one-time pledge, but a lifetime pledge to submit to the Spirit. Not only a one-time pledge, but a lifetime pledge to believe in the Son. Yes, even when things are difficult, even when things are hard, to keep your eyes up when the world is weighing you down. To look back and hear thanks to what God is when you can't see the road ahead. To know that even presently, even though I don't feel it, that same God who says I'll never leave you nor forsake you is the one who's there with you even to the end of this age. The new birth means that all of us must make that decision to submit to the Spirit, to believe in the Son, and to follow God. A transformed life is what we're after. If you want to say you're born again, you're committing not just to say, God, thank you for saving me back then, but you're committing to saying, God, thank you for walking with me today. God, thank you for changing me into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for shining your light in me and giving me a chance to shine my light so others may see and glorify our Father in heaven. The new birth means that we all must be baptized by water and the Spirit. And we made an announcement for baptism this morning. And there's some of us who maybe we got baptized as kids. And maybe we we were very, very passionate and we're good. And there's some of us who were like, I don't even know if it meant anything to me. But I want to encourage you because that's all I can do. I think Jesus does more than encourage in this passage. But I want to encourage you to consider baptism if you've never been baptized before. Because Jesus seems to believe that if you believe in me, you'll be faithful to stand up before your community and say, I belong to Jesus as I now belong to you. And what I love about baptism is you're not just belonging to Harrisburg Brethren in Christ. You're not just belonging to the Brethren in Christ U.S. You're not even just belonging to the Brethren in Christ across the world. You're belonging to every single Christian who's ever believed, to every single Christian who's ever lived, and to every single Christian who ever will live. Is this symbol that we go down into the water and we rise up with Christ to say, we belong to you. Baptism, or this new birth then, requires us to, yes, to live right. But I think what I love about this passage with Nicodemus is that we all must go and tell. It is not just about saying, come and see who my Jesus is. So the question to us this week becomes, how is my life? Living to tell who Jesus is. At the workplace, how's my life living to tell who Jesus is? In my neighborhood, how is my life living to tell who Jesus is? To my family, especially the ones I don't like. You know, I got a big family, so I can just throw anything out there. You know, there's a lot of us, right? My grandma literally had 69 siblings. There's a lot of us, right? So whatever you got in your family, I probably got it times 10, right? But to our family, even and especially the ones maybe we don't get along with easier, How does my life reveal who Jesus is to them? God calls us to have lives that not only shine for his glory, but lives that show this transformed new birth. My prayer for all of us this morning is that we're living lives of submission, that we're living lives of surrender, that we're able to see the transformation, that we're able to see how God has moved and worked in us. Because when things are hard, when you've taken a thousand steps forward, even one giant step backwards, I love that you can still see progress. And I pray this week, and I pray even as you sit, that you're thinking back to all the progress that God has made in your life. And I think that all of us are called to not only go to Jesus as the bridge between heaven and earth, but to remember that Jesus is now in heaven that the Spirit is now in us, and that God calls all of us to now be his bridge between the world, between heaven and earth. We believe that Jesus came in a physical body. So when we talk about being born again, we talk about inviting Jesus into your hearts. And theologically, we're right. God is one. God is Spirit. But physically, Jesus is in heaven And I think that's the call for all of us to remember, that all he's left behind is the Holy Spirit and you. When we pledge and we say we are born again, we're pledging to not only believe in the Son, to not only surrender to the Spirit, to not only follow God, but we are pledging to the people we meet, the people we interact with, the people that know us, the people that we know, we're pledging to be God's bridges between heaven and earth. I'd like to invite up the worship team. We're going to close with a song, Beautiful Things. as we sing this song about God making beautiful things out of dust, may we be reminded that this new birth that Jesus gifts us, this new birth that Jesus calls us to, is not just about having the right answer that, yes, I'm born again, but it's a pledge you're making today to not only make the decision one time, But to make the decision every single time, every single day, that, Father, I will follow you. That, Jesus, I will surrender to you. That, Holy Spirit, my life is submitted to you. I'd like to also invite any of the pastors in the room up front. We'd love to pray for you, for anything you've got going on. Um, If if you want to respond to something in the sermon, we'd like to invite you to do that as well. And if you're trying to, if you have answers about this new birth, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. So please, please come up as we stand and sing together beautiful things. Please stand and worship. One of the things I realized this week is that um, the, the the move from being born again to born from above very much mirrors my own personal faith journey, it very much mirrors how I first understood Jesus. I grew up in a faith where you had to be born again and you had to know the exact time and, and stamp and then and the plan and the place, right? Um, but with the Brethren in Christ, you know, we really focus on what does it mean to be born from above? We understand scripturally that salvation is a point and a process. So for many of us, we can remember that point, that day, that time, that hour, that we made that decision to follow Jesus, and that's a wonderful thing. But for a lot of us, we also think of the process. We may not remember the day, the time, and the hour, but we can see the steps of transformation. So this week, I'd like to invite you to do three things for me. One, think back to the time that you made that decision and give thanks to God for it. Two, think back of the process and how God has transformed you and, and give God thanks for it. And three, Think about what God is working on you now. How God is calling you to be born again, to be redeemed, to be submitted, to be transformed, to be surrendered to him now. And give thanks for even that process too. Let's pray. Our Father, God, we thank you so much that in Jesus Christ we have this connector between heaven and earth. That the one who made heaven, the who walked the streets of heaven, the one who came down in, in bodily form to be that connector, that bridge between heaven and earth now invites us to do the same. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that our sins have been forgiven. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and calls us to salvation in you. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for Calvary's tree, yes. but We thank you for your full gospel, that you came to save us, that you lived to save us, that you died to save us, that you were raised so that we know we're saved, and that you're alive and alive and alive. And Father God, we thank you for your simple call for us to follow you. Let our lives be lives that remember when you saved us, Let our lives be lives that remember to give thanks for the process and how you've saved us. Let our lives be lives to give thanks for how you're going to save us, what you're working with us on now. We thank you for the fruit to come. We thank you for the light to come. We thank you for the healing to come. And we thank you that being born again is this beautiful point, yes, but it's also a process of living to glorify you. In your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I'd like to invite you guys real quick to please be mindful of your conversations. We're flipping the sanctuary for the next service. So if you can, you don't got to leave, but you got to, you know.